Namaskar. Hello and welcome to P Guru's channel. I'm your host Sri Ayer. Joining me today is Nikun Trivedi, president of Kona, and we're going to talk about a new survey which has some really bad implications for Hindu Americans. I'm sorry to put the plot out, uh, reveal the plot at the beginning itself, but we are going to take a look at what are the reasons for this and why a divisive law like SP 403 is very dangerous. I know. You know, things are already in the motion in California. The senators couldn't be more blind, couldn't be more deaf, and except for a few individuals. But that's what it is. A lot of education needs to be done. And this is our attempt to try and educate you, the viewer, as well as anybody who's watching this video, that this could be a huge, huge issue for Hindu Americans living in the United States. Let's welcome Nikunj Trivediji. Nikunji, namaskar and welcome to P. Guru's channel. Namaskar. Always great to be back here. <coughs> Thank you so much, sir. It's a pleasure having you, Nikunj. So you have been doing this work for a few weeks, at least getting together this data, collating it. And uh, now you have a presentation to share with our viewers what you have found. Take it away, sir, and regale us what is exactly going on. What are the implications of laws like SB 403? Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, just before we start the, quick, the quick presentation, I wanted to just kind of give a background as to uh, yeah. why this is a concern, you know, because you mentioned earlier, there are some very serious implications. Uh, the survey findings, we fear that, will, uh, you know, confirm the things that we were concerned about, that these types of laws will lead to racial profiling, targeting, stereotyping, uh, targeted enforcement, and overreach of government. Because as you will see, the data shows how Americans think about caste. So in the in a typical uh, jury, let's say if there's a caste discrimination case, you say that you can see that a jury will be impaneled and this jury will contain ordinary Americans who, you know, who are from the different walks of life. So a diverse group of Americans in California, let's say, will be will be uh, selected. Similarly, anyone who's going to be enforcing these policies, uh, they're going to be regular Americans um, who may be enforcing these policies, whether it's at the universities or at in, in California via SB 403. So the concern is, would these juries and would these enforcement officers or enforcement administrators reach a fair verdict or a fair judgment, given their understanding about caste and uh, you know the dynamics around caste and things like that? So that was the background of the survey. Uh, and so let's let's dive into it. Let me um, kind of let me present this. Uh, here we go. So. Uh, the survey is called an American understanding of the of the uh, survey of the American understanding of caste. It's a survey of 1,500 diverse Americans from all walks of life. Uh, so different age groups, different sexual backgrounds and orientations, uh, different geographies, things like that. And this survey sample was gotten. We got the sample from YouGov. Uh, YouGov is a nationally recognized, um, you know, sort of internationally recognized statistical survey company used by various policymakers, media houses. Um, the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, when they did their survey, they used that uh, the same YouGov, um, you know, agency to collect the data and stuff. So we're gonna, you know, we use the same, um, you know, get a group and uh, you know created the survey of 1,500 Americans. So again, as I mentioned to you, caste basically people people have said in in the U.S. that caste has been essentially ubiquitous in the United States. There's this widespread discrimination. Uh, that's what people are saying. Uh, SB 403. Uh, Senator Wahab basically said there's grave caste discrimination. Of course, California is looking at SB 403, uh, which can have far-reaching impacts, not just people in, for people in California, but uh, people in the United States. Uh, 
one of the biggest, apart from just plain anecdotal evidence, the biggest data point has always been the 2018 survey done by Quali Labs, which has been, which is deeply flawed, uh, openly Hindu phobic, and we'll see a couple of things around that in, in a little bit. Uh, and this has been the base of many university policies, many of these conversations around, um, you know, caste in the United States. Now, as I mentioned before, two important points for people to keep in mind, if there's a trial, there will be a jury of ordinary Americans to decide the case. Would they be able to reach a fair verdict? And then any policy implementation and enforcement would also be carried out by Americans from all walks of life. Now, would they be able to enforce the policy without bias or prejudice? You know, or their understanding and uh, sort of thinking of a presumption of guilt against uh, uh, certain religious groups and ethnic groups like Hindu Americans and people of Indian origin. So this is what like what we are really, you know, we had surveyed. That was our concern. Let's talk about some of the quick key findings. Um, you know, we were basically saying most Americans clearly associate caste with Indian Hinduism. Uh, they also cannot identify caste by last names or characteristics like food habits or skin color, uh, even by those who have reported that they have extensive knowledge of caste, let's say in America. And how did they learn about caste? We'll talk about that. A clear majority of people first learned about this system from their middle and high school uh, social sciences. So think about that, right? All the way from your middle school, you have learned a certain uh, idea about caste system and its association, et cetera. Most Americans think there are only four castes. And uh, this, is the, this is a really important point because there are thousands and thousands of castes. And in 2011, the government of India did a survey that put the number of castes, subcastes, clans, et cetera, at 4.6 million. Now, this is in the Deccan Herald. It's an actual article that I pulled. I had no idea that this, this many you know, different subgroups existed in India. So 4.6 million versus four. Now, if you look at generational cohorts, right, whether you're looking at millennials or looking at like baby boomers, et cetera, Gen X, the results are only varying slightly. So we know that this is across the board. And what's also interesting is millennials report, they say personal experiences, but their quote-unquote personal experiences is learned through social media and WhatsApp, basically, as their source of knowledge. So while they say they may have personal experience, it's really experienced through learning via social media. So let's look at this. So here's the first graph. Uh, look at the countries associated with caste. Interestingly, 60% uh, of people associate caste with India and by, by virtue, Hinduism, because Hinduism is the largest religion in India. Uh, by far, and therefore association here is given with India and Hindus. So 60% of Americans surveyed, um, you know, associate caste with India and thereby Hinduism. What I wanted to show here is real quick. This is a caste locator question and answer session. This is from the caste 101 uh, webinar slash workshop slash articles that uh, Equality Labs has put out. So they'll say, how do you find social location questions? What is your family's last name? What religion do you practice? And then they have you know, all these different things. So for example, they have Dalit Bahujan Adivasi answers and then Savarna answers. So remember, they're basically saying that Dalit Bahujans will have a certain answer while Savarnas will have certain answers. So if you look at the last names, they give you a list of last names. Um, even Christian last names are considered Dalit Bahujan, uh, et cetera, here. And then it, it, uh, I think it disappeared, sorry. Uh, no, 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 no worries. No, no. Yeah. I think he wanted to highlight the question, my question. Yes. I have a question for you right here. Let's go back to the slide, please. On the Back to the slide, slide, slide. Yeah. Yeah. Right on the first row, I have a problem. The problem is like this. Tenmuri Saundara Rajan, yes. right? This is the lady 
who says that she is a Dalit Diva. Saundara Rajan is a name that is used by just about every caste and community in India, including the ones they hate the most, Brahmins. What kind of nonsense is this report, sir? Yep. And, and it'll, it'll get better. Don't worry. Uh, so, <laughs> so look at the last names. So they have a list of last names, right? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm prefacing this because there's the next slide is the next couple of slides are really important because this is the background. This is what they tra train you when their cast 101 training happens. And um, so they give you this slide, uh, this, this, uh, you know, uh, chart. Now look at this. What religion do you practice? Okay. Now Buddhist, Ravidas, your Christian, atheists, and some Hindus, but in general, and look at this, what they say. Hinduism is not a safe space for us. We are not recognized equal before God. <laughs> I, I think, you know, there is a Sanskrit word for phonus uh, bolonus. It's called kashmalam. I see this no different from that. Go ahead. Yeah. And then it says, Savarna answers, Hindus, Sikhs, and other traditions emphasizing purity. Okay. So now... Who, other traditions, of course, they don't list which other traditions, but as we know, more than 80%, 85% of India's Muslims belong to the quote-unquote lower castes. So this is actually statistics that is out there. Not, I'm not making that up. But what does the family, your family associated with, like Dalit Bahujan friends? So there are other things. Do they eat meat? Yes, we are very proud of meat-eating tradition. We eat beef, cabbage meat, etc., etc. And then on the right side, they say Savarna answers, no. And sanctimonious about vessels, plates, and even being present around the eating of meat. Now, this piece is very important because in Seattle, as well as in other places, there have been people who have claimed that I have been discriminated because I eat meat. Uh, you know, people did not want to uh, go to the same restaurant or sit with me while I was eating meat. Okay. And this is, again, very interesting answer because I know a lot of quote unquote Savarna people, as you say including my own friends and family members who actually eat meat and they basically eat everything that walks, talks, crawls, whatever you want to say, essentially, right? So now they have land versus no land. Then they say, do you, how, who they want to marry? Other Dalit Bahujans, Adivasis. And then did your parents hide when they came abroad? Yes and no. So what is hiding? Basically hiding the Dalit identity. So let's move to the next slide. I just wanted to show the, the way this is taught by a group like Equality Labs. And here's page 44 from their survey. How do South Asians identify each, each other's caste? And they have a list of different things. Uh, last name, food preferences, the number of their native home, name of their native hometown, skin color, religion, family and social affiliations. Uh, all of these things are very interesting uh, that they say. Notice they blame Hinduism again in the religion section. It says, these communities, so Christians, Buddhists, and Sikhs, have escaped uh, Hinduism to for the caste expression in Hinduism. Therefore, religious affiliation can indicate your caste location. So there's a bunch of things. Now, on the right side, this is the excerpt from the Seattle law. Okay, It says very clearly, whereas caste is significant among South Asians, data from Equality Labs, a civil rights organization dedicated to found blah, blah, blah. Okay, So now you can see clearly a law has been passed in Seattle that is based on the survey that we're just looking at from Equality Labs, okay, the data. Now, let's look at the next slide. So how do the Americans feel about this? So we did a survey, and we said, okay, great. You want to identify first name and last name? Let's look at this. So we created an entire group of you know, random last names, first names of people from different backgrounds and things like that, including we put in uh, Sudhakar Sundararajan, as you can see, and Prem Pariyar. 
<laughs> Most Americans, as you can see, over 90% of Americans could not identify who belongs to what, upper caste or lower caste, et cetera. So this kind of validates our point all, all along that you cannot identify. And I can tell you, we haven't done a survey of Indian Americans, but I, or, or you know, generally speaking, but you know, Americans in general cannot identify people by their first name, last name, who's upper caste, who's lower caste, and things like that. So this is very important because, as I mentioned earlier, if you are going to be part of a jury, if you're in, in, in HR, right, an HR person would be a, a typical American who has learned about caste in their social studies books and things like that. But if they were going to be enforcing a policy, can they identify someone's first name and last name and say, hey, you're upper caste, you're lower caste? And then what about people like who are atheists, for example, our, uh, you know, the, uh, the Cisco person, Sundar Ayer, who, who, who was an atheist, uh, he was presumed to be Brahmin and therefore prosecuted, right? So that's really important. Now let's look at the next one. Can you identify caste with, with food preferences, educational level, skin tone, hair texture, et cetera, et cetera? And again, you can see none of the above, over 60% of Americans could not identify caste based on different attributes. And remember, this is what, what Equality Lab said earlier. How do you identify someone caste? Maybe by their skin color, by their dietary habits, by their first name, last name, different, different things. So you can see um, most Americans cannot identify somebody based on those preferences. Similarly, and this was very interesting, we just randomly said, how many castes would you identify? So we picked four or five categories, you know, four castes, five, 50 castes, 1,000 castes, more than 2,000 castes. And again, back to the point, over 60% of Americans could not identify caste. And out of the people who can identify the castes, they overwhelmingly said there are four castes. So, which is very consistent is what you, in what you learn in American social studies textbooks. Uh, you see the pyramid uh, that you see in BBC on their website or anywhere else that you see in American textbooks or American media. So 60, or over 60% of Americans could not say how many castes there are, but the ones that were able to actually say something about it, only, uh, they were only able to identify four castes. They're saying there are only four castes. And as I mentioned earlier, there are thousands of castes. The 2011 survey uh, Indian survey of uh, the census, sorry, identified over 4.6 million castes, subcastes, clans, groups, et cetera, et cetera. So completely different understanding. Now, here's an interesting thing about like what is the general knowledge about caste? And this is where we are, you know, if you look at it, some people have either limited to no understanding or average understanding. So most people either have some, some limited understanding or no understanding. And you can see very few people have some extensive understanding based on personal experiences. Now look at the, on the right side, same thing with cohorts, right? When you look at different cohorts, as I mentioned earlier, the awareness of caste is very similar on average or limited across all cohorts. So you look at the, the baby boomers, Gen X, Gen Z, millennials, et cetera, you can see that the awareness is very, very uniform, um, which means average or limited. And then, how do we learn about caste in America? How does the typical average American learn about caste? And you can look at the left. It says basically, you know, most people are not sure a third, but if you look at social studies, textbooks and books, categories, that's the biggest one. So, you know, 55, 56%, let's say over 50% people have learned it from social, uh, for social studies or textbooks, which is consistent. Then you have the internet, uh, you know, some social media, mainstream media, uh, and then most, a third of the 34% of the people said, I'm not sure about this, um, how I learned about caste. So that's another thing. And then on the right side, we just talked about how did they first get introduced? So if you look at the blue and the red, that basically shows that most people got introduced to caste 
in their middle school and high school. So imagine middle school is when you are basically 10 years old, right? Roughly, let's say. So 10 or 12 years old, from that time onwards, you are learning that there are four castes, caste equals Hinduism, caste equals India, so on and so forth. So you're understanding the, the heavy, uh, deep embedded prejudice that you have developed about caste is going to carry through high school, carry through college, carry through workspace, et cetera. So that's another major concern that we have. So these are some of the slides that I kind of just wanted to present um, uh, from the survey. And you can find the survey on our website at Kona.org. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of give this out, uh, put this in perspective. Now, let's talk about the major implications of this, right? Uh, if, as I mentioned before, our concern has always been that SB403 is not facially neutral, right? It defines caste in a way that is going to be uh, selectively enforced. Uh, it's going to subject Hindu Americans and people of Indian origin, as well as general South Asians, to uh, selective enforcement and targeting. And uh, it will violate our civil rights. So these are some of the concerns. The, 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 the profiling, if you think about it, right? And, this, and if you, you can draw parallels why the African-American community or why the Muslim community is always concerned about laws, because there are certain types of prejudiced notions about different types of people like Hispanics or Muslims or uh, Blacks, et cetera, et cetera. When it comes to caste, we have the same concern because there are preconceived prejudiced notions and presumption of guilt when it comes to people of Hindu and Indian, Indian background. So that's where we are as far as the survey is concerned. Thank you so much, Nikunj. I have a few observations. Um, first of all, the three people who wrote the caste report by Equality Labs, one is a Muslim, Natasha Dar. One is a Christian, Murray something, something. And the third one is indeterminate. The religion is indeterminate. We don't know if Ten Murray Sounder Rajan is a Dalit, a Buddhist, or a Christian. Because there are, you know, associative references to indicate she could be any one of these things. And these people think that they are the experts on caste report. And they come out with a flawed report where those people who are not willing to express a preference were completely left out. So they basically took the data that suited them and then made up a report. What is really you know, strange, Nikunj, is that this report has been gobbled hook, line and sinker by even famous universities such as Harvard has done it. And uh, um, what's the other one? The, the one on East Coast. Uh, California State University System has taken it. UC Davis is going to do something with it. What my question to all of you is, how did you just say that whatever is written in this is the truth? Especially when there was an alternative uh, survey, which was much more scientific, which said the exact opposite. So, I mean, these are all people who have got Nobel Prizes amongst them. They have done some fundamental stuff in science. These are the boards and regents. These are the ones who are sitting and deciding this stuff. How did you come to this conclusion that this report is right? I'm, I'm really baffled. Nikunj, if you have some insight into this, please let me know how these people decided that this was right. Yeah, and what's interesting is I would say that um, I, I agree with you. The, the concern is like there are more academically sound surveys out there, uh, such as the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, right, their survey. Uh, and, and it clearly shows that caste discrimination is not rampant, as is claimed in the community, number one. Number two is that Equality Lab survey should not be relied upon because of the methodology it has used. So those two points are really important, and we continue to stress that. And the other point is, like, what about other surveys? So if someone is passing a law, 
in a, in a, in a university or in you know state of California, I, we believe they should be actually funding a survey, a real survey that is done by a neutral agency like the Carnegie Endowment or someone else, more reputed uh, agency. And let's find out what the results come out to be. And then we can think about law. So we, we urge administrators as well as lawmakers to say, hey, let's take a pause here. Let's not rush into passing these laws. Let's do the due diligence. Let's do the data analysis. Let's get the survey. Let's do our, let's let California sponsor a survey. If they believe there's rampant caste discrimination, they should sponsor a survey done by reputed people. Uh, and let's see what the results are, right? That's why we did this survey to showcase the fact to lawmakers that, look, a random survey of 1,500 Americans basically shows a very prejudiced and biased understanding about caste, about Hinduism, about India, et cetera. And those who will be implementing come from a similar background. And therefore, we our community is going to be subjected to a violation of our civil rights, to targeted, uh, to targeting and profiling, uh, you know, selected enforcement and government overreach. Remember, in the case of Calo in the case of um, Cisco with Sundar Iyer, right? The government defined his religion. The government defined his quote unquote caste. He did not say. He said, "I am an atheist, and I am I don't believe to be a Brahmin because I don't wear a sacred thread or whatever the markers are in that sense." But they said, "Nope, we believe upon belief that your last name is Iyer, and therefore you are a Brahmin." So that's what our concern is. Two or three things again. Yep. You you really uh, got the beast out of me today, viewers. First of all, please like this video. There's so many things that are coming out here, which perhaps I'm hoping that you know the staff aides or perhaps even the congressmen slash senators of various states and country, uh, you know, and and the Congress and Senate may watch this thing. So we want to give you some of the facts here. There is nothing here that is you know cooked up or anything of that nature. There is there is a real challenge here in terms of trying to define these things. I'll give you a couple of examples. If you look at skin tones, the entire West Caucasian, that is the Western Europe you can think of, there are only six shades, six. And if you look at the Indian subcontinent, there are 534 shades. And, and skin color is a determinant of how long you spend in the sun, how much time you you know how if you are a farmer sure and if you are if you happen to be living in the southern part of india where the sun really beats down it's very close to the equator it is going to be dark it's got nothing to do with someone's caste you, you know the, you've got it all wrong but one other thing that nikunj people may ask is hey look you say that whatever was written in the educational syllabus of the school system in us is wrong then why did you not try and correct it Believe me when I say this, we've been fighting about this for 10 plus years. It's more than we that. have been. We have it's been 2023. Trying to, so we're talking 20, about 18 years since we've been fighting. Roughly. We have been fighting. We have been that. Just go back years. You know, most of us are Indian Americans or Americans or Hindus, whatever it is. Right. Just cast your mind back in 2005. Do you think there were uh, 4 million Indian Americans in the US? Probably not. Not even half of that. So the numbers were small, but even the small numbers, they understood that what was being taught as Hinduism was wrong, dead wrong. And this starts in central, uh, it starts in middle school. Then it goes on to high school where you have this advanced AP courses where they talk about world history, blah, 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 and all that. There also it permeates. So all that stuff is wrong. And for 16, 17 years, we've been trying to fight to get this thing right. And the only excuse that the other side came up with is, oh, 
we have published billions dollars billions of dollars worth of books with this we can't change it now is that an excuse you got that stuff wrong i mean i have been part of some of these things where i have asked some questions and and they sorry to say this thing but there are many people who are of indian origin that are also abetting and aiding these people their knowledge of hinduism and sanatana dharma is questionable at best that's all i can say there's not a single person there i saw who could say okay this man knows his sanatana dharma i can go behind or i can fall behind his views it it is that bad because it is that bad i mean i'll tell you another simple thing who's the person who is spearheading the seattle nonsense the person who almost got recalled kshama savant has anybody asked her what her caste is i'm telling you viewers she's an aingar so this is a plant that you can say to yeah this is a plant by the covert caste to just completely derail it from inside oh you can think of it that way too you you have come up with you have cooked up so many conspiracy theories add one more to that so my point in saying all this is it is there are no markers of any sort that you can say this is what it is and also i want all our sikh brothers and sisters who are standing behind this now to think about it you have been also called as an upper caste according to the caste discrimination report and suddenly now you think that you are you should be saying yes for sb403 where is your application of mind you are the ones who are going to be first targeted and you are saying ah bail mujhe mar i'm 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 completely you know i'm i'm completely at a loss to understand this logic please go ahead no i look uh, those things are important our major concern is that you can have debates on you know in academic academia there's different discussions happening those will continue it's a long term the problem is laws have immediate impact right you cannot debate away a law you cannot go tomorrow and say that hey you know this is a law that has been passed now maybe subject i'm subjected or not subjected to laws going to are going to have an impact immediate impact laws should be based on you know understanding a proper understanding and making sure that one community is not targeted right civil rights civil rights laws in america are neutral in terms of facial and application right so facially neutral and neutral from an application perspective this law or this this bill is not and remember it doesn't it names south asians very specifically saying you know especially south asians but also people of you know from japan to like south america and, and as you can see in the survey most people only associate caste with india and hinduism right so that's number one number two is it only names people of color if you think about it it's only people of color so if if you're not a person of color do you not have caste is that how it works because civil rights laws don't work like that so that's another point that we have to keep in mind that this law that that's why there are certain implications that are very dangerous about this SB403 bill and the law in Seattle because it's not facially neutral uh it is not neutral from an application perspective it is also only profiling people of color of course south asians being the number one but also other people of color that are listed in there as if people who are not poc right people who are not people of color don't have a caste so essentially you're saying people of color are the only people who have oppression oppressed oppression it's like the oppressor oppressed mentality so it sets up this dichotomy of you know already defines who the oppressor is and who the oppressed should be right so that's also not acceptable you know uh, one other interesting observation that i wanted to make was harvard university just take a specific university and i think it applies to many ivy league universities eight universities very very you know it's hing hing daba 
hing daba as a fortida you know there is no hing left but the smell still exists that's what it is but anyway harvard university has also passed caste discrimination laws except that harvard itself discriminates against south asians there's a lawsuit in supreme court winding its way through did you uh, uh, yes, you're aware, uh, you're aware yeah. of that law, yeah, lawsuit, against, right? against asian americans there's i think no, unc and harvard yeah, yeah. both yeah yeah and and this is this is now many years old they don't want to have that thing you know heard because it means that harvard and many other universities actively discriminate to make sure it's not your ability it's not your sat score they have a certain template they want to have only 20% of a particular ethnicity okay and even if there are people there in that ethnicity who have much bigger better numbers than the others they want to limit it to only that and then they have legacy admissions where if your father had gone to harvard you automatically get a ride in i mean what sort of a nonsense is this but anyway that is what it is that lawsuit is still winding its way through i think america should be the last country to talk about discrimination when it itself was built on discrimination just my two cents and <laughs> go ahead nikun if you want to add to that then we can take up some questions no i think uh am i frozen no no you're okay now yes. you're okay now yeah no what i was saying you see i agree with you the problem is there's a discrimination thing going against asian americans in general and now you have another category that says hey you know what not only am i going to limit asian americans now i have to look at indian americans or south asians with another set of uh, suspicion on caste discrimination right so i have to be careful about what what goes on and and we saw this in uc san diego they had the ethnic studies department actually has put out a statement that we intend to hire only dalits and muslims because we don't want to hire caste supremacists so that's and, how and they're you, actually you, framing you all it. know you all know who teaches at ucsd ethnic studies department right i have that video that i put out shaista patel rabid anti hindu go ahead sir yeah so you can see i'm going to name all these people i'm going to name nobody is going to escape anymore everybody is coming out and getting and dragged through the mud here you guys have all got an agenda you are being paid by isi terrorist money and you have the gall to say something that is actually working most hindu americans are hard working go ahead no no i mean um you know again my primary focus is really how the law will have an impact right so you can there are a lot of rhetoric there's a lot of debate you can do about many different things in life but when you start to pass laws that's the real concern here right and we can have a disagreement in many different things but that disagreement cannot have unfair and unjust laws against a particular community that's really the idea here and we are talking to lawmakers with the same point that you can have let's do let's pause for a second let's think about the language that's in the bill let's pause let's do another survey of that is sponsored by the senate of california let's say to say is there serve is there discrimination let's not use a survey from a biased organization let's focus on a survey that is neutral and let's see what the results come out to be and we have already shown that today if you look at a random sample of 1500 broad based americans across the board you will find that most americans associate with caste as with india and hinduism as well as their understanding of caste they cannot identify with last names first names they don't even know how many castes there are things like that and we made this point in santa clara as well because we showed a list of obcs from like obc categories from haryana from uttar pradesh things like that and i said here are names of like 300 400 groups how are you going to keep a roster who's going to who's going to be adjudicating this who's going to be paying for all this so whose tax money is going to be wasted 
in uh, adjudicating against caste discrimination because you have to identify. And now, what if I say that, hey, my last name is Trivedi, but I don't identify myself as a Brahmin. I don't wear a sacred thread. I go to places that serve meat, many different things, right? Now you're going to assign religion or caste on me just because of my last name. Same thing for my daughter, same thing for my daughter's daughters and sons and things like that. So civil rights laws have a long and far-reaching impact. It's not like an expiration date saying, okay, this civil law is only going to apply for the next 10 years. Or it's only going to apply for people who have immigrated from India in the last 30 years or something like that. It's not like that. That's not how civil rights laws work. All right, let's take some questions now. And viewers, this is there is much to chew, uh, chew here in this particular video, especially the findings. I want you guys to you know forward it to your local congressman, woman, because believe me when I say this thing, Nikunj agrees with me on this. California is the starting trigger. It is going to spread itself to most blue states across the United States. They'll find one pretext or the other because I heard that this has come right from the central leadership of the Democratic Party, that we want to pressure India by doing this. This is what I've heard. And, and uh, I don't have any reason to not believe it because it is becoming like a complete unanimous vote. Because see, see what happens is, let's say that the governor, Gavin Newsom, who may be having presidential ambitions of California, he may, he may actually uh, not sign this bill. But if both houses, Senate and the House, of California, if both of them have more than two-thirds majority, which the Democrats do, unfortunately, they can overturn the governor's uh, decision. See, th this is a day. They have a complete thing sewn up right now. And, and this is all based on lies. This is this is where the challenge is today. Let's take some questions. I just want you to leave with that. Uh, I wanted to leave you with that thought. Yeah, and again, as I say, we don't comment on you know Democrats versus Republicans. We you know we're we're nonpartisan in that sense, and um, you know I do understand the concerns from the community, but as an organization, we obviously cannot comment on that. Oh no, no problem. See, Kona, you are you are just talking about the cast. I'm just giving the overall. I'm backing it up, and I'm giving it because I listen to so many people, and I'm giving the analysis of what exists out there. So that's perfectly fine with me. Let's take some questions, please. Bharat Ved Prakash wants to know, uh, jumps jihadis, evangelicals are tag teaming without any allies for us. It seems like a losing battle. Why do you think so, Bharat? I mean, these are all miniature people. I mean, these, these numbers are very, very small and they have a flawed model. Remember that when this goes to a court, it is going to lose because it has already lost once when none of us knew about this. When the caste discrimination case went into Cisco, against uh, Cisco was uh, go, went through the, uh, the court, they rejected this report. Anyway, uh, Nikun, you want to take an answer on this one? Um, it's not a losing battle. I mean, we have to fight the battle in general. Look, see, for, you, have to, you have to keep going just because, uh, as Sri Krishna says, you know, you have to follow your dharma. Whether you lose, you win. We always remember Arjuna. But remember the thousands and thousands and millions of warriors that perished in the Kurukshetra War. So it's not like... You can have one winner, but you can also have thousands of people who have sacrificed their time, energy, lives to protect dharma. So this is not about winning or losing. It's about following your dharma and fighting for it, what is right. That's how civil rights movements in the U.S. and, uh, you know, if you look at other different movements of freedom and independence have been fought, right? Not everybody won. Some people lost. Some people lost again. But eventually, uh, truth shall prevail, hopefully. So that's the idea. 
Raghunandan wants to know, Nikun sir, it's too late, this law will be passed and Hindu Americans will be treated like Native Americans and think this is a law as a reservation natives. Your view on it? Well, the law is not passed yet. Okay, so we have to understand that until the end, the very end, as you said, even at the governor's level, we have to continue to express our concerns to push back, etc. Uh, try to work with the lawmakers, number one. Number two is, that is not the end of it. Um, we have to go to court if we need to. Uh, we have to go all the way to Supreme Court if we need to. So the American system does give you ways to fight back. We have to, but this is also a warning sign and a learning lesson that as a community, we need to be better organized uh, socially, politically, religiously, uh, economically, whatever you want to say. We have to be much better organized with allies who understand this concern because a lot of times our community is very inward looking. It's not very outward looking. It doesn't create allyship. It doesn't participate in the political process and things like that. And that's why we sometimes uh, fail when some of these things come about because we are looked at very, very differently. Uh, the lens are very different because we are not part of the process many times. Falsehood wants to know, what about the 72 sects? Not one is getting on with each other. Well, as we said uh, earlier, that uh, this law should be more facially neutral and neutral beyond re one religion. So if you're going to have caste, you can't name South Asians. You have to you have to talk about caste in all religions, all communities, etc. So caste, sects, clans, many different things need to be added as far as the, uh, you know, as far as this is concerned. So caste is a very loaded word. Instead, it should have many different applications that uh, that go across communities. Uh, people of color, non-people of, you know, people who are not people of color, different, different types of people should be included in this type of a bill if it's truly against discrimination. Manof San wants to know, what about Canada where the Toronto District School Board has declared caste to be a special protected category alleged in the, allegedly in the interest of stopping bullying? So that, I would say there are uh, groups, uh, including Kona, who are working on, um, you know, fighting back. So the Ontario District, uh, Human Rights Commission, we're having conversations with them. Uh, there's there are certain laws in the in in Canada that you can utilize. So once this becomes, you can go and challenge it in court. So there are a lot of things that need to be done, and the Hindu community in Canada really needs to wake up because this is starting in the school board, the largest school board in Canada, and then it's gonna you know sort of spread into other school boards, but also get at some point to a more national level conversation. Guys, they snuck up on us. These malcontents snuck up on us and they will go for the places that will give them the maximum bang for the buck. That's how I see their attempt in Toronto uh, District School Board. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, now the Hindu is awakening. But again, many of us are still sleepwalking. We need to get up because this affects our future. Our future, our children's future, our grandchildren's future. So this is not something to be taken lightly. Vivek Shukla wants to know how to tackle them. Are we actively protesting against it? Yes, we are. That's the quick and dirty answer because it just has been going on for a few months now. So I would say to Vivek G and others, please join the the, the protests uh, or the you know the actions against it. You can go to Kona.org and you'll learn more about it. There's a link where you can send an email. You can sign, uh, what do you call it? You can send a, uh, make a phone call to your assembly members if you're from California. If you're not from California, unfortunately, there's not much you can do except for help support and, and create more awareness by spreading videos like this, uh, the survey results, many things to your friends who might be in California. 
Ameya wants to know, P. Gurus, is making caste association a crime in USA? Can't Patel, Brahmin, Jats, Marathas make caste associations? How is this discrimination? Ameya, it's, see, it's an individual choice. Who you want to associate yourself with is an individual choice. And that there is freedom of expression in freedom of religion in United States. It guaranteed under the Constitution. In fact, Article 14 already covers SB 403. See, the intent is not that. They know fully well SB 403 is something that mirrors the Article 14. But they want to try and bracket you. They want to try and isolate you. Because if you play this thing out, you will start seeing some horrific consequences, just like the way this report has shown. And by the way, this report has been used, uh, been created using official you know, channels that everybody else uses. So they can't just wish it away like the way the EL wrote their report. So that is the whole point. We have built something that has got, you know, good reference, good data-based uh, um, report, and and we have to just keep fighting. You have to see this is this is not something where you can take a uh, you know step back. You have to be on the front foot. Next, question. I agree. You know, in yeah. the in the U.S., is it you know you could be associating with just being a Brahmin doesn't mean anything, right? It's like it's your identity, your association, whatever you want to say, being a Patel. You can't get rid of that, right? That's your association. That's your culture, whatever you want to say. But assuming that just because I call myself a Brahmin, I'm automatically casteist, that's the presumption of guilt that we're referring to, right? So all of a sudden, then that just translates into being a Hindu. So all of a sudden, once you're Hindu, you are, you know, casteist, you are this, you're that, etc. And those, those identities are then imposed upon you, creating the presumption of guilt, creating the profiling, creating the targeting, those are the concerns. So just because you have a last name Patel, all of a sudden you are now considered casteist. That is complete nonsense. Venki Komando. Thank you, Venki. This can be defeated only through deep state connections and lobbying. How are the NRIs organizing and funding for this purpose? I mean, there are many attempts. Uh, you know, I can't comment on deep state and things like that, but I can tell you there are, there are PACs that are working in the in the community. Uh, there are advocacy organizations like Kona and stuff who are pushing back and who are trying to have a good conversation, educational efforts and things like that. There's a lot of money. Uh, there's a lot of money that is needed, obviously, for from uh, in terms of funding these efforts. Um, you know, we are always looking for donations. That's really important. But it's a long game. OK, just to give you an example. We talked about the Equality Survey. That's 2018. But remember, this effort was started, let's say, even much more than earlier than that. Maybe, let's say, 2015 or whatever, let's say. So it's been six, seven, eight years, constantly, every single day that these people have been at it. Okay. And there's groups of people supported by academics who are... So when we talked about who are the players, right? So we keep talking about equality. That's just one player. There are many others, academics and many others, who are actually focusing on this. In fact, uh, there was a... There's a group for caste equity, a lawyer's group that actually sent a letter to the Senate uh, arguing why this uh, the, the whole idea that it won't lead to racial profiling or this law is the language is flawed, etc. is incorrect and why the Senate should be supporting SB 403. So there's a whole ecosystem that has uh, you know cropped up over the years that is essentially against the community. And we must understand and create our own ecosystem to challenge that. Next question, please. Thank you, Maheshwar. Um, that was a very generous uh, donation. 
Next question, please. Ishan. Thank you, Ishan. Jai Hind, sir. Can Indians not sue equality labs for racism by delegating Indians who are immigrants from a foreign nation into different castes, even though their passports and identity proofs only indicate their nationality? No. You can't sue somebody in America like that. That's not how American laws work. You can't just go and sue an or I mean, you could sue anybody. I can sue somebody for bird watching. No problem. You know, I can sue somebody for drinking water uh, or, or just walking. No problem. But the moment it shows up in the court, the judge will not even entertain it. So we have to be, we have to understand that you can't. So they have their their freedom of speech and freedom of expression. So you cannot sue somebody from having. We are we are talking about freedom of expression. We are talking about freedom of speech. Equality Labs has the same laws that apply, and that's the beauty of the American system. And that's why we are challenging the fact that the lawmakers should not be only listening to one side of the story and selective data. They should be looking at it uh, from a proper due diligence. So no, we cannot just uh, sue Equality Labs for racism or something like that. BSS wants to know how far are we having from having an organization to rival IAMC? Is the Indian Embassy slash Foreign Ministry helping even a little bit? Why should they help us, VSS? We didn't ask for their permission before we located to United States. We applied, we got through, and we worked for it. Did we ask the Indian Embassy for help when we came here? This is our battle. We have to fight it. That's my two cents. Nikun, please go ahead. As an American-based 501c3 organization, we cannot seek help from any government agencies or any representatives of foreign agents um, outside of the country, you know, domestic, foreign, etc. You just can't do that. That's number one. Number two is um, we need to have a better ecosystem of Americans. You know, whether you are born here or you are a naturalized citizen, etc. That's what it's all about. We have to fight. This is our fight. Here, American Hindus, American people of Indian origin, etc. It's a fight that is here, and we we don't need help from anybody else outside. We cannot, as a and like I said, as a Kona and any other organization who is five one c three, cannot seek help uh, from a foreign entity. Government. Next entity. question, please. Navin Bhatia, thank you very much for your generous donation. Next one, Jovian Joliti. Should casteism require a higher burden of proof on organization like EL? from filing baseless lawsuits? So um, EL did not file the lawsuit. It was California who filed the lawsuit. So just to kind of clarify that. But most importantly, I agree. If somebody's saying that there is caste, the burden of proof should be on them. Uh, it's the reverse. Like, you know, it's like guilty until proven innocent. So we are being charged as being guilty. And now we have to show that we are being, we have to prove ourselves as innocent. Um, the burden of proof has shifted. Uh, and, and so that's a very good point that, you know, those who are saying there's casteism requires the burden of proof. And the only burden of proof they have been pushing is just one uh, survey and some anecdotal evidence and nothing some substantial from a reputed organization or agency. Latians, media, chota peg or biryani. What is the cast of offsprings of a Dalit wedded to a Christian, Muslim, Jews, atheist, Buddhist? Good luck. <laughs> because that will be basically what the what the, the state of California and its uh, helpers and adjudicators determine. Because that's a very loaded question. Because you basically, first of all, why would you say a Dalit is uh, separate from Christian, Muslim, Jews, or Buddhists? Because Dalits exist in all all the different places. So there are Muslim Dalits, there are Christian Dalits, there are uh, maybe Jewish Dalits. I don't know, but let's say at least Christian and Muslim Dalits and Buddhist Dalits and things like that. So. Uh, I think this question needs to be rephrased. What is the caste of a sort of a mixed race or mixed 
you know, group, uh, you know, a, a son or daughter offspring of a mixed group wedding in that sense, uh, inter-caste or inter-religious, et cetera, that you want to say. And the answer would be whatever the state determines, because in the case of Sundarayar, he said, I'm an atheist and I'm not a Brahmin, but the, the court still said, or the, the, you know, the, 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 the they tried to, they tried to. Yeah. Well, no, they said in the state of the, 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 if you look at the filing, no, the CRD said, filed that way. Yes, I agree. I agree. CRD filed that way. Yeah. However, when when they were really when their feet were held to the fire, they decided to withdraw the uh, yeah the case yeah, the motion. Yeah. yeah, no, no doubt. But I'm saying the state of California, the same group that assigned caste and assigned religion to Sundarayar will be the one who's going to be adjudicating this. Is the and the senator Wahab has made it very clear that she wants the CRD to adjudicate cases on caste discrimination. So it's the same group and the same uh, department that's going to be working on this. All right. I think that's about it. Thank you so much, Nikunj, for taking the time out of your busy schedule. It's a working day today, but you still found time to come out and talk to us about this. And viewers, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel. Like Nikunj, we all have other jobs, and we are doing this because of the passion, because there is a lie being peddled. And this is being peddled. And I've, like I said, I've been very, very forthright. This is coming from foreign countries. Those of you who are actually voting for these things, you are inadvertently helping some foreign interests destabilize United States. Trust me, this is going to come back and bite you also. Hindus are just the first guinea pig that they are trying out. So this is just my two cents. Uh, donate to Kona at https kona.org slash donate. And they are a 501c3 organization. Every dollar you give will go towards a good cause. There's a lot of stuff to be done. And, and these kind of uh, surveys take a lot of money, time, effort. And uh, Nikunj, thank you so much. Again, if you want to make a pitch for donations, please do so. And uh, then we can wrap it up. No, uh, as you mentioned, you know, this advocacy requires a lot of money. Uh, if we want to be organized, if you want to have, if you want to think about the future generations, you need to invest today. And that's going to propel things forward. So please go to Kona.org and you can donate there directly. Get involved, uh, become a member. Many things you can do to join the movement and make a change, you know. Change can happen only from us. We can talk about this all day long. We can cry about it or we can do something about it. If we are true followers of Dharma, if we follow the Bhagavad Gita, we have to be people of action, the true karma yogis. And the only way to do that is getting involved and donating. If you don't donate, then don't, uh, you know, in the future when these things are passed and nobody is able to mount a challenge, let's not complain because we did not do something about it. Thank you so much, Nikunj. And as always, a pleasure having you on our platform. Namaskar. Namaskar.